everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. He'll steal your heart. Oh, boy. You'll okay. never see you coming. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to try... Jesus. Today we are apparently going through some karaoke as well as Degrassi The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 13, This Charming Man. Um, to get us through this episode, we have one of our lovely guests on, Jazz. Hello. Hey, Jazz. Long time no hey, here. Donnie. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get too far into this, we're going to stick a quick... Frank is trying to collect stinky ass Dahlia to to sit with us. Um, she, she was looking for ups. I know she was looking for ups. She literally craves attention nonstop. Um, pet her, pet her. Don't worry, she's getting pet. Do not worry, she's being. Don't worry, listeners and jazz. She is getting attention right I had now. A bad day. This is what I need. No, that's fine. Go for it. Um, before we get too far into the episode, let's stick a big old content warning. Um, we are going to be talking about teenage sexuality. Uh, there's also going to be some mild discussions of homophobia and ableism. Inevitably, we will be talking about race, but I will say that especially compared to the last episode you were on, Jazz, the racism is not as glaringly uncomfortable as it is, as it was that time. Went from being con- yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. Went from being context to subtext. Yeah, yeah. It went to like it went to like a typical discussion on an episode as opposed to us going, Oh god, everything's on fire, I can't. <laughs> but before we get too far into the discussion, Jazz, would you like to introduce our A plot and our B plot? So, A plot summary I have is Emma uses current crush to get back at her ex. And a B plot summary I have is events lead Spinner to crash a car out of jealousy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So let's talk about Spinner's uh, jealousy leading to a uh, car crash. Um, and start with our B-plot first. You've got to rub her chin. She's giving you this look, and she desperately wants her chin rubbed. You got, you're committed. You're locked in. Um, you're here now. Yeah, this is your job, Frank. Um, but I will frame this while you're giving her some much-needed attention. Um, we open up our B-plot with Jimmy and Hazel going into class. Jimmy is lightly dunking on Hazel because she's trying to study her driver's ed uh, handbook. And she's really worried because she is going to be starting her road lessons that afternoon. Um, And while she is bugging out in her own unique way, Spinner is bugging out in a different way, which is him muttering to himself with his hands in what he thinks are the appropriate positions for for when using a steering wheel. (laughs) Relatable, honestly. This moment was very, like, I remember both... I I was the Hazel. Surprising nobody. Um, and and then in between classes, I was spinner. Like, not during driver's ed. I would be, like, in the middle of, like, other classes, and I'd be like, yeah, so you fucking do this. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. What is your anxiety style with regards to driver's ed? Are you a hazel or are you a spinner? Right? I mean, it's like, and Jimmy was just like, whatever. Like, it is what it is. <laughs> Either I die or I'm gonna make it. Like, Jenny's just accepted its fate at this point. Which I respect wholeheartedly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to learn how to drive to pick a more tarantula. It's my, my fear factor. 
laboratory. Stop! Oh my god. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, it is it is fun. I will say this about this plot. I uh, I think the jealousy aspect. I you know jealousy in relationships is always like uh, dicey. But I do like a lot of this initial energy of the episode because I think it nails a lot of the anxieties and excitement and concerns that float kids when they are, you know, on the verge of learning how to drive. hundred percent. It was, like, super relatable. I almost got flashbacked right back into my own driver's ed lesson and my very anxiety-inducing teacher, who unfortunately wasn't as, as pretty as, as the one we will get to. Right? It's like, my mine were just, like, my gym teachers were driver's ed teachers, and then um, the person who did, like, my driving school stuff, because, like, every, every state, every country is different when it comes to driving laws, so, like, I'm not going to act like ours is, like, the only one, but in Jersey... <laughs> In Jersey, you need the six hours practical, basically, um, which might have changed since we were youngins. I think Norway does it the best, where, um, uh, like, you have to, like, essentially pass your driving test three times, once in daylight, once at night, once in the rain. Oh, wow. That's, That's such a good idea. That's not Japan a bad... Has, like, a whole driving school like summer camp type thing that you essentially go to for like a bit and then you drive around like a practice course and then you get your license okay okay my teacher was just like hey look you're, you're driving along fine oh you're on the shoulder now like correct it I'm like oh <laughs> um my my practical stuff was done by the driver's ed teachers like the gym teachers but then uh uh the uh, actual no i guess not the practical the written stuff the driving part was done by, I had a great, I had a great teacher. She was like a retired teacher. Like a, I think she was like a middle school, elementary school teacher. Um, she was great, honestly. She was like very even keeled, which I feel like is necessary when you are a very anxious 16 year old trying to learn how to drive. 100%, and, yeah. And like with me, I know some people love driving. I don't. I don't. I hate driving still to this day. I have incredible anxiety. Yeah, fist bump me through the, the monitor. <laughs> right? Like, I I get very scared because it's like I, I am driving a killing machine. It's fine. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I become very nervous. Um, but I do appreciate that she was just very much like, like, she never yelled. She never raised her voice. She, you know, if you did well, she would tell you that you did well. And if she did, if you didn't, she would very calmly explain what you screwed up in. It, it's what you would hope a driver's ed teacher would be like. Definitely. Man, you left out. <laughs> I really did. No, I really did. I, unfortunately, it did not make me any more, any less anxious driving, but I did appreciate her. <laughs> Um, however, in Degrassi world, there are a lot of anxieties concerning their driving teacher because, um, Paige surprises Spinner, like, hey, like, you know, does her usual type stuff, but Spinner is very irritated. Um, and when he explains why he's irritated, he admits that, like, he's very, very confused, um, by the whole, by a lot of, like, the ins and outs of driving, and most importantly, he's very worried because the driver's ed teacher that they usually drive with is, I believe her name is Ms. Gonzalez, um, and she apparently is a bit of a hard ass, so he is not particularly excited to be learning with her. I'm really surprised it's not Sheila. Can you imagine Sheila? Fuck, oh my god, that would have actually been really funny. 
<laughs> that actually would have been really good. Um, but yeah, so their, you know, teacher has a reputation, things like that. We didn't really, because there were so many driver's ed schools in um, my area. There were a lot of, like, private schools that did the required six hours. Um, there wasn't necessarily a reputation around teachers, but there was a reputation among the people who administered the tests at the local DMV. Because, um... It was very interesting because, like, I I failed my driver's test the first time. Hmm. Um, I cried a lot. Uh, apparently, I found out as I talked to more people that, like, I just had one of, like, the hard-ass people at the DMV give me my test. But it was interesting. Like, he had a reputation down to, like, apparently he always wore sunglasses. He always kind of, like, he had wow. very specific characteristics that always tracked amongst everybody, okay. which was really funny. Ow. Okay. When you bite, you get down. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> Dahlia. Uh, okay. Dahlia loves being in people's laps, and then she gets overstimulated, and then mm-hmm. she's just she very... Gives a bite. Yeah, she gives a little bite. Gives a little nibble. Want to make sure that you're, you know, you're still, you're still with it, but <laughs> flavor check. Yeah, you know, she's she's just doing yeah. her job as a cat, really. Mm-hmm. But um, so this scene closes out. The next time we see this crew, so the crew that we're kind of working with within the context of this episode is um, Jimmy, Spinner, Paige, and Hazel, um, our big kids. Um, so we get to the next scene, the kids are kind of waiting outside in front of the school, um, and Jimmy, to lighten the mood, I guess, brings up a story about how his cousin, like, ran over their mother twice, It was basically like, you know, your first time driving can't be as bad as that. And it's like, as stupid as it sounds, I think... I want to believe that I think we're finally beginning to see a version of Jimmy that we're what the writers want us to think Jimmy is, which is a kind of snide, kind of snarky teenager who is still a pretty okay kid, but also a little, has a little bit of a dickish side to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, a a typical teenager type deal. Typical boy. Boy teen. Yeah. (laughs) It's taking... (laughs) It's true, though. Like, I feel like it's taken way too... (laughs) Dahlia has inserted herself back in Frank's lap. This is going to be a two-hour ordeal. Uh, um, But with... um, But with that, it... it, It's taken them, like, three fucking seasons, but... Yeah, they they always felt, like, kind of wishy-washy on exactly who they wanted Jimmy to be. Like, yeah. the writers were fighting about it, or Jimmy was fighting, not Jimmy, um, the actor was fighting with them. How did I forget Drake's name? How um, could you forget <laughs> Drake's name? How? Like, I feel like... Oh, boy. <laughs> it's okay, though. But <laughs> it, stands for, uh, it stands for do right and kill everyone, according to that one guest we had. Pierce, why can't you remember people's names? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway ow anyway <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> this is a mess um, anyway so Jimmy brings up that story 
Um, and as he's bringing up that story to uh, lighten the mood a little bit, the instructor arrives, um, and in comes Mr. Falcone. Um, Can we talk about the music that played as he walked out of the school? Oh, please, Jazz, do tell. <laughs> it was just, like, the weirdest kind of wannabe meek music because there was like the slow motion as he gets out of the car and then they zoom in on Paige's face as you can literally see the hearts in her eyes and it was just a lot. It was. It was like, oh my god. It was. And he's just like, hey, my hair is basically the same as Toby's. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like he's he's just like, so he comes out and (laughs) Like, he's so, like, what you would expect teenagers to have a crush on, too, which I really appreciate. Basic, but, you know. Yeah, as it's... As children, we don't have taste. Yeah, no, it's very, like, Lisa Simpson with the harmless, like, harmless boys magazine <laughs> type deal. Because <laughs> he's just, like, this, like, you know, generic, vaguely symmetrical white dude. <laughs> Which is fine, and honestly, what I would expect Paige to be into. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. I I wish it was just, like, a hunk. (laughs) An actual cute guy. No, 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 no. Like, Falcone has his charms. Um, He does have his charms, especially to a teenager. Like, just like like John Cena at his, like, beefiest, just steps out of the car. Like, it shifts as he gets out, and you're like, hey. See, now I'm picturing instead of that music that they played is John Cena getting out of the car with his theme song playing behind him. It's like the cameo that... (laughs) The cameo that never was. Cameo that should it's true well like the thing is is like there was a time where like there's a moment in the, when Paige is getting a tan like she's at like a tanning salon and she's flipping through a magazine and she's straight up flipping through like a muscle building magazine yeah, that's, so. what, that's what i'm saying like she's <laughs> yeah. into hunks yeah like the idea of like a beefcake coming out of that car is not unrealistic <laughs> she, like, she likes herself a big brick of man <laughs> she does she really does, but like I do, I don't mind the choice that they made for Falcone in the sense that like I feel like a lot of teenage kids are like into, into that genre of man. Yeah, he's he's boy band safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He's he's just he's he's fine. Like you as an adult would be like he's <laughs> fine. Like, <laughs> but you as a teenager, it's a it's a big to do. Um, and, and I do want to start, kick this off that while, you know, this is about Paige having a crush and, you know, of course, whenever a teenager has a crush on an adult in media, it's always like, like you always just get super, I mean, I get super anxious. I, I do get anxiety, yes. But I do appreciate that they are exploring a very real part of being a teenager, which is having crushes on adults, and, like, not that anyone's acting on it, but that you see adults, and you see them for for prolonged periods of time, and you end up like Paige, who just stammers through an introduction, losing her cool, (laughs) just, just totally beefing it. Yeah, it's just, 
like, you know, super relatable. Like, I think most people have that moment where they could look back in their, their teenage childhood years and think about that teacher or that adult that, that was there that, you know, they thought were cute and blah, blah, blah. Like, not that any person would have acted on it, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's just relatable. And I think they handled it in, in a fine way. Yeah. If you heard my slight laugh, I'm thinking about Pretty Little Liars, which... And speaking in car metaphors, hits the gas on student-teacher relationships and never lets up. Ugh, that sounds unbearable. Oh, yeah, no, it's terrible. There was a point in season four where the guy got shot, the teacher got shot, and all of us were just like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, don't wake up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just like, yeah, like, it's so hard because I feel like I hate that, like, I will avoid media at this point, because of, like, the, the potential for it to happen, but thank God that this, this, because, like, it's such a real moment, and I would love to see it explored more in media, but I also don't trust people. That's basically where I'm at. Well, I mean, I, yeah. Degrassi at least does it right this time, where it's just like, hey, like, Paige has a crush, and it went nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, you know, Paige just... Beef's introducing herself, and then she gets picked to drive first, and she is just a wreck. She is very, very nervous, um, and Spinner tries to check in on her, um, but she, that still doesn't ground her enough. She she literally, like, fucks up starting the car. Um, he, her purse! I was thinking about her purse the entire time. Me like, too. she gets it caught in the door. I could just think, Paige, Paige, your purse, Paige! Oh god, she can't hear me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just imagining her getting out of the car at the end and, like, this trail of all of her, like, lip gloss, <laughs> coins. Uh, just a huge hole in the bag as it got dragged, literally dragged across the page. It was, I was in agony. But yeah, like, she she doesn't even start the car correctly, to which Falcone points out, like, you know, like, you know, it's okay, we're learning, but you would have failed if you did it on the test. And it's just a, you can tell that she is just, she's just trying her best, and she is struggling. Um, and I, I appreciate seeing this type of page off her game, where it is just a very natural human... Not tragic situation, just it fucking happens. Hey, I'm getting clawed. My pants. My um, pants. Dahlia, my pants. Meanwhile, Frank is just like, I'm working on a theory where either he's Toby from the future or a lesser known nephew of the Falcone crime family from Batman. Holy shit, Frank. Wow. Um, wow. That's a lot to unpack. Um,. So, because Frank doesn't want to think about this episode too much. <laughs> well, it's fine. We can keep most of this pretty breezy because Spinner walks into uh, into class and he just is going. He just mocks Paige ruthlessly because apparently her driving was so bad she like flattened a cone to <laughs> to nothing. Um, and as um, you know, as he's like kind of making fun of her, I think Jimmy's also making fun of her too. I think he like. Yeah. They're they're both it's just dunking. Dunk. Yeah, they're just dunking. I think Jimmy just likes to dunk because he loves to dunk, and Spinner loves to dunk because it's his girlfriend. It's the only time he'll ever have a one up on her. I have a new joke. <laughs> I have a new joke to hang on to. Guess what? Paige can't drive. But um, so so you know that's happening, and and you know Hazel of course 
takes Paige's side, but takes it in a, in a, you know, very snide kind of way where she's like, you know, oh, well, you know, there's a hot instructor, you know, Paige must have gotten nervous, um, and Paige is just trying really hard to deflect from the situation, and Hazel just smirks so much. And, like, I do want to say here that I really wish we got more Hazel plots and more of Hazel being developed, because I feel like I actually quite like their friendship a lot. Right. It's, it's actually a pretty fun friendship. I like the playful elements of it. I like that they kind of try and, like, at, like, tease each other quite a bit. And it's really a shame that Hazel is used so much as a prop within this context, because I feel like if she was given the chance to be a better developed character, I would enjoy their conversation so much more. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's just such a shame that she just kind of got sidelined. Like, she literally got that one really poorly planned out plot where she was just nothing but Islamophobic the entire episode, and then that's it. Yep. And it, it probably explains why, even when I was younger, I, I liked... I didn't, I, Hazel was not, like, my top favorite. Basil is not going to come to you. You got to grab her, and then she resigns herself. That's how you deal with Basil. I want podcasts. I know you do. Um, I love how we're on a podcast, and you're just in the back going, <laughs> but <laughs> it's really good. You knew this was going to happen. I knew it was. Um, but it it's, it's, as, like, a when I was younger, like, I, Hazel was not necessarily in, like, my top five, but I liked her. And I think the reason why is because she's quite endearing in the grand scheme of things. Like, she's a pretty fun character. She just never really gets to become a fully realized one. And that's the bummer with her. Yeah. It's such a shame because, like, what you see of her is likable. But yeah. But you I, don't I, get I, enough of her. Exactly. And I think that also speaks to the actress's talent. I think the actress is very fun exactly. and quite captivating in many ways. And she just does not get the chance. She, she gets, like... Paige was in neutral through all of season one. Yeah. Like, she just was kind of rolling along, just occasionally make a joke here or there, and was just like, okay, cool, Paige. And, like, that's kind of where they're like, okay, well, now we have Paige in the driver's seat, per se, in her own plot lines, but we're also going to have, like, we still need that snarky, like, character, so now we'll just put Hazel there, but never also put her into drive. Yeah, it's a shame, because, like, once again, I like her. I, I quite like her. Um, she, she can, like, be in charge when we're taking a trip through Islamophobia town, but after that, she has to get hop, like, into the passenger seat. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Um, the next scene that we get, Paige and Hazel are approaching a picnic table in front of the school, and Jimmy and Spinner are there. Jimmy and Spinner are, of course, continuing the one joke that Spinner has for this month, which is that Paige can't drive. Um, and... Hazel then suggests that Paige could drive better if there were a, there was another instructor. Spinner, of course, takes offense to this and defends Falcone incessantly, saying that he's a really good instructor. And Jimmy is the one who's like, oh, it's because he's hot, isn't it? To which I was so angry at both of them for just, like, calling Paige out like this because it was so unnecessary. Yeah. We, well, we've been here before. The minute somebody has a crush and somebody's just like, oh, this person, it was like, oh, yeah, that person. Yeah, no, they really, the, they're ruthless when it comes to crushes on Degrassi. As soon as, like, like anyone sniffs a crush, it's just like, oh! Better. <sighs> I, I don't feel like I don't remember, like, kids when we were that age doing that but maybe that was just my friend circle 
Uh, it's very, I think it, it really hinges on your friend circle. And I also think that if you are a kid that's LGBTQ, I think another problem that ends up developing is a lot of your friends are resistant toward talking about your crushes if you are in a circle full of like a lot of straight cis people. Yeah. At least yeah, that was right. that was my experience because it was like a lot of the time I feel like they didn't necessarily want to talk about me having crushes because um, and I don't even mean this in a downer way. I just think that it was just like you know what happens when you surround yourself with a bunch of like straight teenagers in the early aughts, before you know before you know we have, you know we have really had very much discussion in terms of media representation and just kids being more out and visible and things like that. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just you know it's a moment in time and you know whatever. Um, at least that was my experience. Um, I also think that it also depends on how comfortable the, the kids are with attraction and sexuality and things like that. Because I also feel like if you are with a group of friends who's kind of terrified of that, they're not going to talk about it as much. But it makes sense to me that this group of friends who are very open with their feelings and pretty open about sexuality and things like that, whether they handle it well or not, are going to be more open about crushes and more outright dunking on each other about crushes. Yeah. That's true. That's that's just my theory. Um, Me and my friends are just fucking nerds, and we didn't have time to think about crushes. Real. <laughs> we were too busy studying for exams. That's real as shit, though. I feel like that... <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that happens with, like, quite a few groups. It's just, like, it's not to say that, like, you know, nerds never have crushes but if you are like in like five ap classes you're you're you might be focused elsewhere <laughs> yeah yeah we all did um ib i don't oh know if my you're God. familiar with that program yeah holy shit you yeah, did we ib were, yeah we were the ib <laughs> shit and we were too busy dunking on our our psychology professor for blushing at, at anything and everything to worry about dunking on each other i guess Shit, that sounds exactly right. That that tracks to me. He's a very sweet man. We loved him. He just he couldn't handle sex scenes. It, it's fine. It's really good to be teaching psychology when you can't handle it. <laughs> the poor man. Oh, okay. I have other stories that I could tell, but that that'll be derailing. And <laughs> yeah, let's let's try and like keep. Let's just kind of try and wrap this up. Um, so Jimmy makes the realization of the hot factor. Spinner makes a snappy little, okay, Marco, comment, which. The worst. It's, it's very, once again, with Spinner, it's like, I hate hearing his homophobia. That said, it is so, like, predictably what, uh, what a boy in this time period would say if they were homophobic. It's like, if you need a time capsule of how, Boys are super homophobic during the early aughts. Spinner is it in this season. <laughs> yeah. He gives you the prototype. Okay, I want to... I would have liked two conversations that happens. One, Jimmy's just like, look, dude, look, Spinner, dudes can be aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, right. Two. <laughs> or, or, or he's just like, dude, that's... We've discussed this. That's super homophobic. No, I was calling you Marco from Animorphs. If only. What you gonna do? Gonna turn into an osprey? 
If only. <laughs> but I know deep in my heart that's not the truth, so I can't even humor it right now. Um, but I, I do wish we had a moment where Jimmy's like, yo, what the fuck? But sometimes, yeah. sometimes we are still... Number one, we are in, you know, we are in a a world in which... I lost my fucking train of thought. Anyway, number one, we can't expect the writers to always have Jimmy be the hero. Number two, the fact of the matter is, even if you are somebody who knows when somebody says something that's wrong, that doesn't necessarily mean that you as a teenager are going to have the capacity or the comfort to call someone out continuously. Especially with him. Because it, it's sure it's fucking constant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't blame... Jimmy for conserving his energy on that one. Cause. Yeah. Ugh. Gotta pick your battles. Yeah. But, um, Spinner then asks Paige about the crush. And when he realizes that Paige definitely has a crush on Falcone, he just skulks off. Like, he's just super mad, stomping off. It's really dramatic. I'm, I'm gonna go beat up that teacher. Yeah, right. Oh, like. Dude, I, I mean, I'm not surprised, especially because of the way that their relationship is kind of framed with all the pet names and everything. Like, he is, he, he, and like, you know, there's this kind of theme of him being very loyal to her and him taking great offense at her, you know, having a crush on a okay looking white, uh, like, okay looking, like, <laughs> floppy haired white dude type. <laughs> I had to throw in the floppy hair there. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just like, he's such a specific type of guy. Like, I don't know how else to describe he it. Like, really it, he, he I had such a crush on this type growing up. Because he he's a dude that looks like every, like, rom-com, like, 90s dude. Yeah, like, he, he feels like that niche, kind of like the, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitts of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it's a very specific type of dude. Yeah. I just, I, I, I looked at him and just, I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I would have loved this dude. <laughs> anyway, um. Meanwhile. Something else happened? No, no, no. Oh. Me, like, uh, we, we, uh, I realized I put these transitions in and they are to help me as I'm watching the episode. And I realized mm -hmm. the meanwhile makes no sense because it's connects to my notes for the A plot. <laughs> meanwhile, great. back at the gym. Yeah, no, great. Well, meanwhile, great. <laughs> back at the car. Yeah, so the gang is back at the driving lessons. Um, Spinner is driving and he's like snapping at Falcone in the process. And he's just, like, super in a, like, he's just in a foul mood. And he's just, like, constantly just, like, undermining Falcone's instructions, undermining Falcone's <laughs> feedback. And as he's doing that, Paige is trying to calm him down. Um, and as, as she's, like, doing it, Falcone's like, you know, you did really well today, but, like, you know, you need to be quiet. You can't be a backseat driver right now. Sorry, Paige. Like, you gotta shut up. Um, and... And then Spinner just screams like, "Oh, it's, so you're you're just you just a favoritism." Because <laughs> Spinner is a fragile, fragile boy. <laughs> and um, he like as he's like having this fit about favoritism, he hits a fucking cardboard cutout of a family. <laughs> and and then it gets worse because he's like, yeah, well, Paige is my girlfriend. Blah 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 blah. And as he's going off about this, he hits a fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just turns back. I was like, that's really on you. 
Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> he's so fragile. He's so fragile. And it's like, it's infuriating because I've seen many a teenage boy pitch this fit. Like, it's so bad. And it's like, at this point, I was kind of hoping, like, oh, is this episode going to call out, like, how jealousy is fucking, like, bad and it will make you, like, become so erratic you hit a fucking car? <laughs> there, there is one bit where Paige is just like, like they're like, watch it. And Paige is like, what, for the innocent family? <laughs> and then they hit the car, he's like, for the car. <laughs> oh, it's like a mess. It's just like a fucking mess. Um, and then we have this, this plot kind of close out with, um, Paige entering the dot while Spinner is working. Spinner is still cleaning dishes and everything, so he's still got, he's still dealing with the demotion that he went through. Um, and Spinner is really, like, upset and kind of dismissive, because she's like, oh, like, let me order some stuff, let me, like, you know, help you out here as you're working, and Spinner's just, like, super dismissive, he's like, you know, I have to put all the money that I make toward, um, toward paying for that car, um, and Paige tries to, like, take an order, he points out that he is, quote, a dish pig, and cannot accept taking the order. <sighs> then, um... Then they make up. Spinner does the I'm jealous because I care song and dance that so many boys have made, so many men have made. Um, hey, the only time a, a dude talked about jealousy on a show was Jake Peralta, and he's just like, this is an ugly feeling, and I'm annoyed I have it, but it's there, so let's talk about that. Yeah, like, it's just, like, really annoying, because also, like, he, he switches their instructor. How, okay, how did, like, Degrassi, once again, is playing school cabin ball rules. Yeah, right? Where they're just, <laughs> they're like, oh, so you you changed p pages, like, thing, too? Alright, cool. Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's, like, the fact that he changed pages as well. Like, the fact that he changed out of Falcone, I can believe, fine, whatever. I'm sure that's a meeting that you have with, like, Sauvet or whoever oversees that, and then you're done. But with Paige, like, how did he have the... Did he, like, call and change his voice and be like, I'm, I'm Mr. Michael Chuck? Uh... <laughs> and nobody checked the phone number to see if it was on her school file? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Oh, uh, yes, uh, Mr. Michael Chuck, I'd like to have my daughter switch to uh, Mrs. Gonzalez. And just, so they, like, looks behind her. Spinner, I can see you through the window. It just, ah! just runs away. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, but, like, there was that aspect, and I was, like, I was also really annoyed because Paige is, like, okay with this. And I, I under, I, I just, it made me kind of go, like, what was the point of this plot? Nothing. Like, yeah. nothing. Nothing. I don't expect them to... In a B-plot especially, especially a B-plot tree is so shortly, I don't expect them to fully unpack the importance of, like, you know, recognizing when you are jealous and understanding that it may cloud your judgment and, and you know, that does not mean that you are still entitled to your romantic partner. Like, I, I feel like you can have a super breezy type of conversation. Like, even if it was just Spinner being like, you know, I think that you should switch to Gonzalez or something like that. And then, you know, them having a conversation about it. It doesn't have to be super detailed. But, like, when, when the enduring thing is just, oh, boys will be boys and boys will be jealous, it just seems, like, very, like, what... 
you know, what I've come to expect this show to do when it comes to its male characters. <laughs> yeah, it was just, like we said, pointless. Like, if they had done something with it, other than that, it just kind of left me feeling, like, really, like, oh, okay, I guess that was the thing I just watched. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, it just kind of washes over you. It's just, like, there was no point. I mean, yes, it's cute to see Paige have a crush, but even then, it doesn't seem like that was the important thing to take away from it. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes you're a kid and you have crushes on people and it's a little inconvenient, but you push through. Because in this, in this response, she doesn't push through, right? She just gets transferred out. She doesn't learn how to you know, make it work, nor does the episode really focus on her learning how to make it work and push through a crush. It, it's yeah. just, I, I don't understand what the point of the plot was. Don't think there was one. <laughs> I don't think there was either. I think they just, you know, were like, whatever, and just put it together. Needed a B plot, so <laughs> right is a thing that I wrote five minutes before we started shooting. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but I kind of, I'm good on the B plot. I don't know if y'all have any other thoughts. Nope, let's move on. Nah. <laughs> Okay, so we go to- my hands this. Yeah, right, exactly. Just, like, drop it, put it down. Hey, at least it didn't make us super furious. This is, like, the shortest we've ever gone through a B-plot, I feel like. We're clocking at 30 minutes, like, 36 minutes our time. Yeah. Wow. I think that's what it deserves, honestly. I agree, I agree. Um, so let's move on to our A-plot. Um, so our A-plot opens up with Emma taking a seat in class, and she kind of glances at Chris. Um, Chris then- approaches her and asks about a chapter for English, kind of seeing how, um, I couldn't really ch tell what his intentions were. Was it that he, he was just finding a way to talk to her or get her notes or whatever, but the interaction is full of, like, kind of awkward smiles and looks at each other, um, which is vaguely promising, consider kind of the shit show that Against All Odds kind of was with their relationship. <laughs> so it's like, well, maybe, maybe there's some sincerity here. Ooh. Um, meanwhile, Armstrong walks in, he starts math class, and as he's kind of starting in, Sean enters and is kind of talking really loudly with a girl that we don't really know, um, and it's, it's just like, oh my god, as a teacher, like, I, I'd be so mad, I'd be so pissed, like, the audacity you have to just march into my class loudly flirting with each other. They're a bit past the flirting stage. I, they, well, yeah, yeah. They plunk on down in the back and start making out. Yep, so... Which, bold move, Sean, bold, you dumb... <laughs> bold fucking move. Like, unhinged here. But, like, yeah, like, you know, he comes in with this girl, and as this is happening, Armstrong picks Emma to go up to the board, and as he's doing that, Sean, like, fucking, like runs his hand up her thigh, and then they just start making out. I find out her... It's like... Oh, her name is Amy, we find out. So, okay. Um, I don't mind the name Amy. Yeah, like... <laughs> I mind everything about this part of the episode. Yeah, and, like, Chris looks really, like, kind of concerned about this um, as it's happening. Um, Armstrong kind of, like, tries to de-escalate it, but, like... Oh my god, like, whew, I would have, I just, ugh. In the middle of class, like, you couldn't do this between classes. Yeah, like, I, I'm, I, even halfway through the doorway, I would be like, okay, gross, <laughs> but I get it. In the class, oh boy. Um, 
But as this situation is kind of trying to be de-escalated, Emma glares, and as she kind of glares, the opening kicks in. What? Whatever it is, I'm gonna make it there. Yeah. Um, well, again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, and we're in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, and, and, like, okay, Emma's wearing a shirt that I looked at for a second, I'm like, is that a pride shirt? It's like... Oh, yeah, her rainbow thing. Yeah, it's like a reverse rainbow, like, as in, like, it's, up, like, kind of upside down from a usual rainbow, and it says love across it, and I was just like, hmm. Another case of Degrassi probably having better luck if their character, if their girl characters were into girls. <laughs> but, um... As she's, like, in the kitchen, Spike runs over, and she has a laptop, and she explains that she got a hold of this laptop, it's to replace the one that Snake had stolen back in Gangsta Gangsta, um, and Emma volunteers to try and back some of the files up on, on the good old CD-ROMs. Um, <laughs> yep. Yo, we all seen Captain Marvel? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, a little, little throwback. Um, but Hearing the, the name Alienware come out of Spike's mouth was also kind of just like a throwback for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I admittedly didn't really know what Alienware was outside of this, outside of Degrassi. I'm, like, that was... I was familiar with it only because I watched a lot of G4 back when G4 was still video game stuff. And I remember back at, like, the height of Alienware, and it was, like, the gaming software type stuff. And just, well, hardware, excuse me. And it was just, oh, boy, they got bought out by Dell. <laughs> That's how yeah. they did. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Dell the funky homo sapien? Yeah, it, that, that would actually have been a better buyer for them. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, so, um, she's trying to back stuff up. As she's getting set up, Spike asks if Chris is coming to Snake's birthday party. Um, and she says that she doesn't want, she, you know, she doesn't want to invite him because she, because he has just officially broken up with his girlfriend, uh, Melanda. Melanda, yeah. Melanda. Yeah, Melanda. Um, and, you know, she's, she's kind of concerned because he's, like, fresh out of that breakup. She doesn't really want to end up in that rebound zone. Um, so she, you know, she's going to try and, like, let that whole entire thing kind of cool down before she proceeds with that. As she's talking about it, though, and as she's trying to back up the files, she opens up to a photo of Sean and her um, on the computer. And... Spike is kind of like, you know, is there anything else holding you back? This is like Spike in the form that I actually, like, I feel like it's been so long since we've seen Spike in this form. This, like, very intuitive mom. Like, I just feel like, I mean, she's been dealing with a lot, but it's nice to see this form of Spike back. Um, <laughs> you haven't even seen my final mom form. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, um, so she, you know, as, as she's trying to kind of get Emma to kind of admit that she's not quite over her feelings towards Sean or the breakup of with Sean. Um, she says, like, Emma just was like, oh, well, Sean's extinct. 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 Totally gone. And proceeds to kind of delete the photos Sean, of him. Sean, ancient history, Jurassic, and like the dinosaurs, he's now extinct. Yes, as she deletes his photo. <laughs> very, it was very cathartic to watch. <laughs> And Paige is like, I've gotten a bit stronger. A photo that I was not in has been deleted. <laughs> so, um, you know, she kind of, she, she claims that, you know, she is going to get, get over this. Um, and then we have a scene change. The scene change is JT and Toby walking through the hall. 
And it's JT mostly talking about, like, hey, did you, hey, did you see Amy and Sean? Oh, my God. Wow, 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 wow. And, of course, Emma arrives, and then JT quickly is like, oh, my God, wasn't Sean shit so gross? <laughs> which, which, like, it, it's still shitty. He's being a shitty boy, but I found it kind of funny. Yeah. It was very, like, funny yeah. in the way that I would... Uh, expect a teenage boy to kind of deal with the situation who hasn't quite like you know really worked out misogyny yet yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. so in that sense it was kind of like you know entertaining i guess um and emma's like it's fine i'm over him like you can say whatever the fuck you want i don't care um and as he as she's kind of just like walking with them and kind of claiming that she's over it JT changes the gears a little bit and asks Emma about how um, there are those stealing rumors happening, specifically about Snake's laptop. And Emma is like, no, you know, I've gotten over it, whatever. Like, I, you know, no, no way that he's that evil. Like, he can't be so evil he stole a laptop from a sick man, you know. I, like... <laughs> I've seen a lot of movies and whatnot, but... <laughs> This is kind of one of the lower ones. <laughs> like, the lowest crimes I've seen in a bunch of... <laughs> it's really bad, honestly. Like, like it... Especially because, like, as they reveal in the next scene... In the next scene, like, Emma is explaining, like, kind of the plan for the environmental club to Ashley, and a piece of it is that they're watching a documentary. And when they're about to put the disc in, they realize the DVD is missing. So, presumably... Emma jumps to the conclusion that, like, Jay and Sean and company stole the DVD player. And, like, that makes sense to me. Like, I, I like, because, like, it happens a lot in schools, especially as tech is becoming more visible. Like, we have Chromebooks disappear. We have, like, you know, various players disappear. Uh, parts of computers disappear. Like, that's not uncommon. But there is something pretty bad about stealing a laptop from a man you know currently has cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. It reminds me of this one uh, Batman comic where this guy named Tobias White gets sent to Arkham mm -hmm. for basically stealing, you know, people's college tuition and retirement funds and whatnot. And he meets the Joker and, like, he's terrified. And the Joker's like, whoa, you know, I'm a pretty bad dude, but I never stole, like, a grandma's retirement fund. <laughs> Right. Damn, what the Joker thinks that you are studying. Oh my god, get wrecked, Sean. <laughs> like, that's a kind of, like, new kind of low. Yeah, it is, it is pretty awful. Um, <laughs> or it's like that time the Joker met the Red Skull, and he's like, I just thought you, like, had a gimmick, you're actually a Nazi, and I have to fight you. <laughs> because I might be a villain, but I'm an American. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah, really bad writing. Anyway. That's awful. But, um... But, yeah, I really have show, like, like, yeah, I think the DVD player might have got stolen, just Sean and Jay just happen to walk by. Yeah, and then, right. like, so she, like, goes up to them, and Jay's just like, is this an accusation? Um, and, 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 like, Sean's just like, how could you ask me like that? Um, and, you know, they, they are very, like, pissed off that Emma is saying anything to them, um, and Sean just kind of scoffs and walks away afterwards cueing chris to come in beatboxing <laughs> the worst entrance possible is just 
Again. Just coming in, solo beatboxing, no audience, no nothing, just like random child beatboxing that hallway. Right? And like, oh my god. <laughs> Even worse, I think it's like the weird contrast that they had like towers there with Sean and Jay, and just like right as towers leaves, then they bring in the other only dark skinned black boy that they had Fuck. on the show ever. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that contrast is real good, huh? Wait, hang on. Have Chris and Jimmy ever been in a scene together? No, because they're different grades. So unless it's in like a... It would only pr- probably be in like a cafeteria scene or something like that because Jimmy is a grade older, so any classroom scenes Jimmy wouldn't be in. Ugh. So that, <laughs> that is, that is how they, they skated by that one. I I do like how um I do like how Chris asks her out though. Yes. So um Chris beatboxes toward her. Um, don't like this part. And you know, he's like, Oh, like what's up? And she's just kind of watching Sean's general direction and she's just like, you know, I'm just trying to figure out like what I even liked about Sean, which is like a very real emotion to have when you're processing the end of a relationship, right? Like uh, you look at them and you just don't remember. (laughs) Dahlia wasn't being satisfied because I wasn't petting her. So she transplanted herself to Frank's lap where she knows she will get attention. Um, It's not my fault. I know it's not. It's, it's, she just she she loves attention. I I got nothing else. Um, You're the Yoshi. But um, she you know she's she's in the throes of trying to process her past relationship. Very natural. We've talked about how like you know things that you used to be into with your partner become tainted when you break up and things like that. And we can also see in this case like how their whole person becomes irritating to you. <laughs> Valid, relatable. <laughs> right. I, I, I hope Ashley was just like, here, this is uh, this will get you through. And she um, hands her my killer Roses three cheers for sweet revenge. Fuck, please, please, please. And Emma's just like, mm, you know, it's definitely interesting looking on the cover, isn't it? Huh. <laughs> and then, like, Ellie's just like, here, and hands her a cannibal corpse CD. Holy shit. <laughs> um, uh, but... But yeah, Chris does have a pretty good line, which I hope I transcribed it correctly. I, I have the transcript up. Please, please give me Chris's retort. Him? Don't bother. Some shady ain't worth remembering. So want to go get a milkshake or something? Yeah, so it's actually pretty endearing. Number really one. the smoothest thing. It really is. Like, number one, I love it because it, it continues calling him Slim Shady, which is like my favorite diss. <laughs> Like, consistent diss towards Sean in in the series, number one. Number two, number two, I really, I really like how he, he likes her. Like, it's almost refreshing. Like, you can, like, he's just kind of like, yeah, okay, that sucks, but, like, I want to make good memories with you. Like, let's go, like, let's go do something fun, and... You know, she kind of picks up that he's serious and she smiles. And I love his reaction. Like, he he just gives, like, this really boyish grin. He yells, yes. And he just, like, as he's walking away from the conversation, he's, like, bouncing. Well, my favorite part was, go on a date? Yeah, start your meeting? Please? Yeah! 
it was like really sweet. Like I know that, and we talked about it in Against All Odds how there there were some kind of shaky. Uh oh, um, I gotta go get art from Basil. Hang on, she thinks it's a toy. <laughs> Basil, that's art. Technical errors. Ah, okay. I'm back. I'm back. The art is safe. <laughs> Thank you, guys. But, uh, but yeah, like while while um there were a lot of kind of bad implications to the rocky start of their relationship, I do appreciate whenever and this is like a really low bar I have for media at this point in my life. But I always appreciate when there is a boy pursuing a girl and the boy genuinely just likes to be with her. Because I feel like so often in media, we see couples kind of getting together out of convenience or never really liking each other and never really having like a, like, I have no actual canonical proof that these two tolerate each other. So it was nice to see fondness toward each other and that kind of giddiness toward potentially trying a new relationship. Right, right. They're very cute. Like, his actor really sort of... Like any any good in this character is brought about solely by Chris's actor because he's just got the sweetest, most like little boyish smile, and like whenever he grins at Emma, you can tell he's all Twitter painted and he really wants her attention and he really likes her, but Emma's just so hung up on Sean. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's so so sad. It is, um, and like I would I would really be behind them if not that weird aspect of of like the kind of undercurrent plot of this episode yeah i agree it's like it's like it's it's really a shame because it's like emma kind of thwarts any fondness i have toward the potential ship it's like she fucks it up yeah um and uh in the words of vanilla ice emma should ditch the zero and get get with the hero it's true but she can't ditch that zero um, because Chris and Emma go to the dot, um, and Chris is, like, kind of, like, trying to be a little flirty, try and ca- get a sip of, uh, of Emma's milkshake. This is not foul or suggestive anyway. They're literally sharing milkshakes. Um, indirect kiss. Yeah, yeah, just a little indirect kissing. Like, uh, oh, I've never had a strawberry milkshake. Wink, wonk. I mean, it harkens, for me, I was just like, I'm not gonna give them credit, but it does harken back to like an Archie comic of yeah. like let's meet at the malt shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's also what I like about the dot as a setting because it kind of creates that that kind of charming hangout for teens, but it's also like not you don't end up in like a it's not like a bar, it's not a club, it's not anything like that. It's just like kind of like kid friendly shenanigans for that type of stuff. Speaking of which, Jazz, did you ever watch the remake River Riverdale? No. Because no, I avoided it. <laughs> fair, um, because they do have Pop's Diner in that, and it's just lit like a club. Oh <laughs> my god! My god, that's so upsetting. Stop. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate the grunginess of the dot, and it's it's low weird lighting. Oh god, those bathrooms must be terrifying. Oh my god, yeah. Um. Uh-oh. But anyway, Sean and his uh, gang come in. 
<laughs> and and Chris is just like Chris is actually really sweet because he's like you know oh like do you want to leave like you know these these folks are coming in do you want to not be here and you know she says no like I want to be here and he's like relieved by hearing this because you know he wants to he's having a good time he wants to continue having a good time with her um but as they're kind of sitting there Emma is just focused on them and as she's focused on them Sean and company appear to be like stealing stuff on the counter they're stealing candy bars yeah yeah which you yeah, know Jay's like pocketing some candy bar again Jay just loves stealing candy bars like <laughs> like literally like sugar. it's like if it's not tech it's candy <laughs> <laughs> we're the choco tech crew like we, we steal chocolates and we steal DVD players. Go for those crunch bars. Hershey's are fool's gold. Fuck. <laughs> um, so, like, Emma gets really mad and kind of confronts Jay. And she's like, yeah, well, um, I can tell the manager. And then the manager's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Look, I have ears of, like... Super hearing because I have like spinner to deal with constantly. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like I had to deal with so many of you that I know by now. What to expect? Um, and you know, he appears and she's kind of quiet. Um, so we don't really quite know how this resolves until the next scene, because Emma and Chris are kind of walking. Um, and Chris is like, you know, Emma's like, so what do you do for fun? And Chris is just kind of like, I read and listen to music. <laughs> and, like, this really, like, robotic response, because that's how humans talk. Okay, so, is it just me, or does, like, halfway through this episode, his voice change? I think... It's like, I don't know, there's just, he's just really awkward the entire episode. Yeah. And I feel like it probably speaks to to when I was on for the, the first episode where he appeared where I just don't know that his actor is comfortable. No. Either, just like the situation he's been put in to be this this literal walk-talking, jiving, black boy stereotype. But it's weird because like, I, I, I sort of noticed this when they did that that weird juxtaposition with Towers in, mm. in Jay's crew. Which, you know, he's, he's conveniently absent for this scene. They, yeah. they literally just threw Towers in there once um it's like that's how we need of him we just need to make sure that he's chris isn't the only black boy you see in this this hallway right now it's like this and, bizarre there can only be one type of rule yeah. right. happening here <laughs> and so like the manager and the dot is black so we've got our bases covered there um but like it's weird because chris is obviously supposed to be like you know oh he likes reading he's he's sort of educated type but but he's still black don't worry we're gonna make him beatbox as he walks in and he's gonna dress like this so he's still black don't worry he just likes to read and it's just like there's some weird sort of like forced i can't even say it progressive type style it's like they wanted him to be a nerd but they they knew that they needed a quote-unquote black black character so they did this yeah like there's this weird thing where it's like they're really going for the urban <laughs> caricature of of a black character and then like they run into this thing where it's like I, I guess it's like the only thing I can think of is just these writers are so removed from like black people in general because I just that has this has to be it that they don't realize that like people have multitudes 
and like you can like you can be interested in rap and hip-hop and you can be interested (laughs) in being in DJing but you can also read and like the other thing about Chris is like number one all of his analysis is so shallow like it never really he never really gets to he says he likes reading he says he likes English but he never really gets to analyze it and he doesn't even you don't even know what kind of books he likes to read like we know that he vaguely understands general themes of Julius Caesar but like yeah. what if he likes mystery what if he likes classics what if he likes graphic novels like I couldn't tell you because the writers don't Every give us anything three times. Yeah, like... Never even had to sleep with the nightlight. Like, yeah, like... he's super powerful. Yeah, but, like, also... Because, I mean, um, I don't know how much... I can't remember exactly where, where it kicks in, but, like, there's also times... And they also happen in Against All Odds where he's, like, interested in Emma's efforts with the environment. And even that feels very, like, half-assed. It just doesn't feel like they develop it into He anything. does ask about her petition in this episode. He does. Yeah, he does. And I wish we pulled more out of it because it sounds like it's something he's genuinely interested in. And I, just... I think the worst part about that is that, like, that is subverted by Emma's desire to, to catch Sean in the act. Yeah. And so, like, it feels weird because it feels almost like Chris's potential growth is, like, stunted by Emma. Yeah, it's but I think that goes back to the issue that we see with Hazel as well, where yeah. Hazel's development, Hazel's interactions are entirely dependent on other characters, specifically Paige. And, yeah. and and once again we have this issue with Chris, which with which is once again his development hinges entirely on Emma because he is not allowed to be an autonomous character. Like, like you can just easily make this character I feel better, but like have her be like I know like I know Sean is and his crew are stealing like the DVD players and he's just like. Emma, I never told you what I like to read. And just, like, opens his locker and it's just Agatha Christie mysteries. Yeah. And he's just like, I've been on the trail of that DVD player for the past week. Yeah. Like, and give him a string yarn bo- board. Yeah, like, just, but, like, just give me some, it's just, it just shows how kind of, like, half-assed his presence is, which is a shame. And going back to kind of this thing, I think he felt really, like, you could kind of sense in the way that the actor delivers it. I feel like he felt comfortable and good doing those kind of crush relationship-related scenes. Because he has something to go off of, right? Like, he can, you know, be somebody pursuing someone and, you know, enjoying the joy of that. But other than that, he's just kind of like, the kid doesn't All right, have... Alright, be black now. Yeah, like, the kid doesn't have much to work <laughs> yeah. with. And, like, you know, he's not exactly, and I I hate criticizing the kids because ultimately they're kid actors, they can only do so much, but, like, he's not, you you know, he's not experienced enough that he knows how to kind of work with nonverbal cues and faces and things like that. He's still a kid, so he's working with kind of nothing, and of course he's going to feel awkward and weird during it. I don't blame the kid at all. Exactly. But, um... So, as he's kind of talking, like, I read, I listen to music, Emma invites him to Snake's birthday as her date, and he's just super happy, 
And once again, very, very cute. And I think this is where, you know, the actor was able to actually work with something because he has this emotion and he's super excited. Um, and it's entirely dampened because Jay pulls up to them, stops his car, and gets out with Sean. Amy's in the back seat. And Jay reveals that, you know, because of a few stolen candy bars, now they're banned for life from the dot. Get out done. Yeah, like, oh, oh, sorry, dude. Um, and Chris tries to intervene, um, and because, like, you know, Jay is getting really heated about the whole entire thing, and Chris is trying to, you know, try and just, you know, get, like, you know, get, try and intervene a little bit, and Sean is just, like, trying to hold Jay back, um, and... It's just, like, this really tense moment that just kind of just happens. Um, and Jay threatens to, like, ruin their fun. Because <laughs> Jay is but a caricature. <laughs> and Jay is also just like, yeah, you know what's funner than stealing uh, DVD players? Laptops. Yeah, yeah. And, like, he's just straight up. Yeah, he's just, like, straight up. Like, Emma's kind of baiting him about the DVD player. But Jay is kind of baiting her about the laptop, and Sean is just like, Jay, like, stop. <laughs> what an amazing, Emma's just like, you stole his laptop, and Chris is like, oh shit, and just starts holding her back. <laughs> yeah, right? But like, it, it's just like this like really awkward, kind of really tense exchange, um, and Jay's just like, well, what's she gonna do? Like, maybe she knows what's good for her, she'll shut up for once. Jay is such a caricature. He's such, like, a... He's just, like, one bad dude. I met dudes like this. They all suck. Yeah, they do. <laughs> he's just... Like Vic Coda said it, steal a million dollars and don't bother stealing. Yeah, like, he's just... Brought on yourself, Jay. Yeah, like, he's just fuming. Sean kind of looks at Emma as they speed off. Um, and Emma kind of watches the car go by. Um, the next scene we have, we have, uh, Snake. They're in the house. Snake is in front of the new laptop as Emma approaches him. Emma can't sleep. Um, he admits that he, you know, the, going through chemo treatment and everything, he kind of just stays up a lot. Um, and as they're kind of chatting, the laptop kind of blue screens on them. Um, and Snake is like, Super frustrated. Um, he really appreciates Snake, uh, Spike's gift, but it, it's just it's just a shitty computer. Yeah, and he's like, "Look, I'll just soup this thing up, give it some more RAM, a little like TLC, and it'll be fine." Yeah. And he's just like, "Whew! I can't believe I lost the last one." And Emma's like, "Like, you didn't lose it." <laughs> this scene kind of just goes nowhere. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get that it's supposed to be like showing the frustration and how things aren't great because, like, the laptop got stolen and, and that's still inconvenient for Snake. But, yeah, it it just peters out. Because <laughs> he's just like, oh, she's like, you didn't lose it. it I'm pretty sure it's still on. He's like, okay. <laughs> well, like, and it does kind of, to reiterate how futile it is, the next scene, um, they're at school, Emma approaches Chris's locker Chris is really sweet. Like he has like a like a CD for Snake, which is like oh, yeah. really endearing. <laughs> like I don't know, I really love that. Like I want Chris to be better developed. <laughs> I know. 
because like he he seems like he could be kind of the sweet music boy that I want. Like you know, Craig's <laughs> too much of a dickwad right now. Like you could have Chris be kind of the sweet one who makes you you know who makes you mixtapes and everything. Like Aww. like. I don't know. It just seems like he could be such a sweetheart character, and it's really a shame that we don't really get to see much of it. Because um, he's, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, like, I got the CD for Snake. Like, you know, I think he'll really like it. And Emma is just jumping to the laptop, just like, I want to get to the bottom of this laptop. And Chris brings up a really good point, which is, like, Emma, that laptop was gone literally the day it was stolen like it was it's gone you're not getting that back which is absolutely true like that shit gets sold like within hours yeah like he probably sold it on his way out of the school yeah like that to retrieve it is just like just not gonna happen um and emma Emma is working in the idea of Okay, so what I do kind of like about this is Emma is working in the idea of TV fiction. Yeah. Like, Chris is working in the realm of actual truth. Yeah. And and I wish that they... It's weird because I feel like this is kind of what they were trying to get out of this plot, but it also felt kind of half-assed. Like, it feels like... Almost they were trying to make commentary about how, like, Emma is so far removed from things because of, like, privilege and shit. But, like, they never quite go there. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of feels like, like, like Emma is super removed from shit. She kind of lives, like, kind of like an idealist, hence her environmental campaigns and everything. Like, you know, even her environmental efforts. Not to say the environment is not important, but, like, one of her big platforms was you shouldn't be using a certain type of wood for toilet seats. Yeah. Like, like her, her, her causes a lot of the time lack nuance and lack substance. realism and substance. And, and I, in Chris makes some of these comments that like almost show another side, another perspective, but they never quite go deeper than, than like a quick exchange. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what else happened? Emma comes to the conclusion that the way they can they can figure this all out is to get a hold of Sean. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure Chris is just like, what? Yeah, like Chris and is like figuring out some way to get Sean involved in this. Chris is just like, I am losing the thread every two seconds. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? She's cute, but. Is this worth it? Uh, Emma's like, we just gotta get him to break. What? What? Yeah, right? Like, she, like he's just like, Jesus, what genre am I on right now? <laughs> a phone book. A phone book won't leave bruises. What? What? No! <laughs> like, then to the, we have the next scene. Emma is going through her locker, and as she's going through her locker, a picture of her and Sean falls out. She picks it up, and she dramatically crinkles it in her hands. <laughs> and, like, tosses it back in her locker. Uh, back in the lock. Oh, yeah, I know. That was, like, my favorite part. Like, she's like, I can't litter. I don't see a garbage. I can't litter. It's fucking going back in the bottom. Fuck you. But, um... No, this is... Okay, this is when you, like... Then she starts following Sean. Yes. And he starts, calls her Nancy Drew. Yeah, because he's, like, walking around with a box that, to be fair, is DVD case sh- DVD shaped. Um, as in it's, like, a medium size 
rectangular box. Yeah. Um, so she is like searching. And yeah, he asks about that. Um, and then he reveals what's inside it. I couldn't. Is it a jumpsuit in there? Oh, uh, It looked like fabric. It looked like fabric. I thought it was a jumpsuit for. Because I think he said it was for shop. So I thought maybe it was clothes for shop. I, I could not tell. I watched it twice. And one time I got was I got distracted and I went what whatever. Uh, but anyway, this is where like you take that crumpled photo and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, here you can have this photo of us, and you just drop it at his feet. Yeah, right. Or drop it in the box and just kind of walk away. Um, and he, he kind of cools her on the whole relationship. Yeah, like Sean, you know, Sean tries to acknowledge, like, look, like breakups do suck. I am not denying it. I am not denying that our breakup was shitty. But, like, you gotta keep your nose out of my business with Amy. And Jay. And Jay. Yeah, which is, like, fair to a certain extent. I mean, you know, take out the fact that he is stealing electronics for a second. Yeah. Take take that out. The idea of, like, you know, saying, like, look, you need to have boundaries with me. I am your ex. Like, you gotta be able to... We gotta be able to occupy this space that is the school without it being, like, us chasing each other like this. True, fair. Um, but at the same time, you're probably involved in electronics. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's <laughs> like that point would have had more validation if not for the people you are hanging out with, sir. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like I understand what you're trying to say, Sean, but this has no weight since season one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's just like it's damn my business. Said on my business, Jay's business, and Amy's business. What about Tower's business? Well, his baking has really improved. I say you should get in on some of those scones. I wish Towers had a quality like he baked. I wish Towers had any qualities whatsoever. Any personality instead of just being Jay Lackey. Yeah, Jesus. But um, the next scene we have with this plot, JT is in a computer lab playing like a really low-definition basketball game. Um, and Chris enters, and JT kind of asks Chris about Emma, and Chris is just like, whoa, like, Sean really messed her up. Like, and JT says, like, uh, yeah, I would not want to be her rebound, no offense. Um, and, like, this conversation is kind of shitty, but also, like, I don't blame Chris for being very overwhelmed by this situation and very frustrated by this situation. I need to talk to some bros about this. Right. Two, two, two lines into this conversation. I need to talk to different bros about this. Right. Where's Marco? He understands these things. Yeah, right. Like, I gotta go to that upperclassman Marco. I've heard he's, like, not too bad with, uh, with feelings. He's the only boy in Degrassi who can handle any feelings, it seems like. It sounds like Jimmy's on the up and up, but... Like. <laughs> but he, he's probably gonna dunk on me as I talk about it, so... <laughs> So I'm going to go with Marco. Um, but uh, they have like a quick conversation. Of course, the whole idea of being a rebound or being having to deal with rebounds is under, is it, you know, themed around JT playing this basketball video game. Which is not NBA Jam, which sucks. Because NBA Jam is the best sports video game. I, I, will, I will agree with you because I do not know. But it sounds right. You, you could put input codes to be the Fresh Prince or DJ Jazzy Jeff or Bill, or Bill or Hillary Clinton. Wow. 
That's fabulous. What a what a what a motley crew that is. <laughs> Truly day modding. Truly. Well, no, it wasn't modded. It just was part of the game? Yeah, you could just put codes in. Man, that's great. That's even better. Don't even have to break the system. Video games were so different back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh, But yeah, so Emma immediately appears as they're having this conversation. Emma's like, I need your help to Chris. Um, And she's just like, you know, okay, I get it. The laptop is gone. Fine. But I think we can find the DVD player. And the way we can find it is that we're going to tell Radich to search Jay's car. And I bet you the DVD player is going to be there. And Chris is just like, can you please drop it? <laughs> hey, um, about that DVD player, see my notes about the laptop. Yeah, like, uh, no, 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 no. Please, stenographer that follows me around, could you please... Uh, read back the conversation we had in the other hallway. <laughs> right, and it's just like we have a scene change. Emma and Chris are sitting in Radich's office. Radich um, says that you know he wants the the he doesn't mind the tip, but like you know it has to be something that it, it can be backed up. Like he's not gonna just take something and you know potentially like fuck over someone because of it, which is fair. Um, and Emma then takes it upon herself to just be like, no, we totally saw them put the DVD player in Jay's Civic. Definitely. 100%. I, like, we saw it. And Chris looks livid. And I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, just lying her ass off in front of him. It's just like, Chris is just like, what the fuck did I get into? Right? Like, he's just like, damn, I just I just wanted to be a cute girl. Like, I didn't want to be complicit in, like, a fucking crime. Like, here's the thing that Emma is also not understanding. Like, in the realm of high school, at least around this time period, is just like, she's going to be pretty much fine. Yeah. Chris is gonna get jumped. Like, yeah, like, Chris is fucked in many different ways. Number one, you know, he could potentially get jumped. Let's be real, Jay... Jay, like, wouldn't, like, has already beaten down Sean, like, pretty fiercely. Like, he will beat the shit out of Chris, and I don't think that's, like, you know, an exaggeration or out-of-character kind of call to make. Another thing is, and of course, the worry always kind of comes in, and this is where I wish the subtext was kind of pulled a little more, which is, like, Emma, if Emma makes a complaint like this as a white girl... She's gonna, you know, it will probably be whatever. Maybe she gets a detention, at most. If Chris is, you know, Chris gets in trouble, statistically speaking, as a black boy, he will face a more severe punishment. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, the episode is not quite pulling that out. And I, I, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, once again, like, I feel like it's something that they could have potentially, especially with Degrassi, where they're trying to create teachable moments. I think it could have been a conversation to have because, you know, Chris is potentially in a really, really rough spot here. And especially it's not one that he signed on to. And he could easily end up facing a way more severe punishment for the same thing, just sitting there and nodding his head. Yeah. But at the same time, that would be giving the Degrassi writers, like, 
a little bit of credit for either one doing the research or two like acting like they've met a black person aside from crossing the the sidewalk at night when when they're walking by one. Oh my like, god! <laughs> oh my god! Wow. I'm making your one and only interaction with the black human being ever. Like, oh my god! It's just so obvious, like their characterizations of practically every black character that's ever slipped between their fingers that like potential consequences and like racial disparities with regards to them never would have crossed their mind yeah it's just <sighs> sorry i'm still I'm still processing what you said because it is so true <laughs> and it is Very it's, poignant. Just, it's just it, that sums it all up doesn't it yeah. um but um yeah it's just it, it, it is kind of just like this under this just it's just a moment that I feel like for a show that's all about teaching people shit just could have been some it could have gone somewhere yeah but um yeah it doesn't uh meanwhile well not meanwhile see I do it again with my notes <laughs> I, I screwed up meanwhile at the Honda Civic uh yeah at the Honda Civic <laughs> Radich has um. I can't tell if they're cops or security. I think they're cops because he calls her Sergeant Graham. Okay, yeah, so cops. Um, searching Jay's car, um, and they aren't finding the DVD player. Um, and Emma kind of approaches, and Sean says, like, oh, so the anonymous tip was you. Um, and it's like, do you understand, like, what I, I could potentially lose because of this? Like, I'm on probation. I got all this, like, you know, this could really fuck me up. And Radich, uh, you know, kind of cranes his neck and he's like, hey, what's happening over there? And Sean's just like, uh, go to hell. <laughs> yep. Nice one, Sean. Ooh, sick burn. I mean, we've seen this. Sean gets angry. Like, he makes a bad call and he suffers for it. Um, the sufferance this time will be a detention every Saturday for two months that fucking sucks but like that's yeah. sick. why why as an administrator would you want to administer saturday detention like it's always on the books at schools but nobody wants to implement it because that means you have to go in on your saturday to deal with this kid like how much hate <laughs> dahlia jumped how much hate does Radich have toward himself that he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give this fucking kid a Saturday, not just one Saturday detention, eight Saturday detentions. You're punishing yourself as much as you're punishing Sean, Radish. Right? Like, Jesus, fuck. Um, and... So Emma's reaction during this entire scene is just, like, completely silent. Yeah, but, like, Sean kind of spits and walks off, and Emma just kind of smiles... Which we've seen him do before when he spit out the shoes of Craig's father. Yeah. So Emma but that warranted it. Yeah. That was like the one one bright moment is Sean spinning in the general direction of an abuser. Like <laughs> that is like the one one shining moment for a while that we've had with Sean. So cut back. <laughs> so um, Emma approaches Chris at his locker, and she's like, "I have great news. <laughs> I've won." <laughs> And, and Chris, yeah, but that's the thing. Chris is like, oh, like, did you find the DVD player? Like, is it okay? Like, you know, do we not give bad information? And Emma's like, no, Sean got detentions. 
And she's like, uh-huh, and what about the laptop? And she's like, what about it? And he's just like, ah, I see, you're a liar. Yeah, well, she specifically <laughs> is like, oh, like, Sean will get punished for what he did to me. Er, Snake. And, like, it's trying to, like, quietly, quickly, hastily cover up how, um, how, you know, how she's feeling. And Chris is just like, you know, you lied. You're not over him. And you lied to me and jerked me around about this. Like, you you weren't real with yourself. And in the process, like, you put me in a really bad spot. And, um, yeah, and he also, he walks away from her. Yes. And this is the point I texted Donnie, run, Chris, run. Yes, which, out of date, out of, out of time, because Ruh-roh. we were all screwed up with the episode order, but it was a good way to figure that out. Um, I will say, though, like, the line that he delivers afterwards is, like, him saying that, like, you know, him talking with Emma and then her driving through this, like, was him wasting, her wasting his time, which, I'm not gonna lie, felt a bit bad for me, because, like, it kind of implied that Chris was, like, literally only in it to date her, and, like, you know, fair, like, if you got a crush and, like, you know that there's potential, but, like, I don't know, it just feels bad having that be, like, his one-liner. Like, yeah. oh, I'm just wasting my time, I guess. Like, uh, Yeah. Uh, especially, like, given he just, like, dumped a girl because he was probably interested in another girl, which, like, bad characterization, Degrassi writer. Yeah, no, I agree. There's quite a few uh, missteps. And they're not, like, super glaring, like, against all odds, but, uh, fortunately, kind of the precedent set in against all odds. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of result in in this kind of uncomfortable feeling because it's like, and once again, it also refers back to how Degrassi, like the writers did not pull the actual theme here. Like this would have been a moment where Chris is like, you know, do you realize like how, how much, you know, how you could have put me in danger? Like you could have really fucked me over because of your your hatred toward him. And, like, it could have been an attempt at a reality check for Emma to, to, to once again, because, like, I don't mind Emma's character flaw being how short-sighted she is. I think it's a very real characteristic to have at this age, especially if you're somebody who wants to kind of, who is interested in social justice, environmentalism, things like that, and you come from a place of privilege. But... It, it, you know, it, it never quite materializes in the way that I think would be truly insightful and important, which is that, you know, she comes from a place of privilege and in the process she hurts marginalized people around her because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cut to Snake's birthday party. Yeah, so uh, Spike birthday comes... Birthday with the Coolest freaking desktop cake I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, like Spike comes in with this big ass desktop cake. He's turning thirty one. Like, what a nice cake. Like, good for him. And like, you know, obviously there's a lot of weight to this birthday because of of him having cancer and everything. So like, it's kind of like every every time is a celebration. Um, and it's just one of those things. Where it is a nice kind of good vibe happening here, which is wonderful. Um, and Snake just thinks the cake is really cool. Um, and then, you know, Spike goes to grab a knife. And Snake is like, hey, like, where's your date? And Emma says that she went psycho. <sighs> right. 
Um, and, like, here's the thing. As much as I hate kind of the ableist use of that, it's it's almost, it's, I feel like the ableism is disappointing. But also there's the fact that she's kind of acknowledging that she was in the wrong, but we don't really hear why she thinks she's in the wrong. It's just kind of like, oh, I, I pushed him away, basically, is what she's saying. And she's not saying, like, you know, I was too hung up on something or anything. It's just kind of like... I, th- I think it's she doesn't want to admit to S- Snake what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's also true. But it does lead to kind of this very frustrating response that Snake gives, which is just like, you know, if he's worth his weight in salt, like, you know, he'll cut you some slack. And it's like... Yeah. It's like, it, it just it doesn't feel good, because it's just not a good resolution to everything wrong that she did in this episode. Exactly. And like... She just never gets, like, a real lesson from it, I feel like. Like, yeah. sure, she can recognize that she was wrong in some way, form, but, it's like, she doesn't necessarily see the severity of it. Yeah, and, like, that's kind of the thing that annoys me about this. While I understand that she may not necessarily want to give Snake all the details, I feel like it would have been better for him to be like oh like you mean like you didn't handle things very well like some sort of like guide to kind of be like what do you mean you feel this way and maybe she doesn't give the full information but she can admit like you know I I didn't handle things great or something like that and have him be like you know why don't you talk to him about it or something or you know have the theme be opening communication much like how the B plot could have become something deeper if Spinner went, hey, like, I feel jealous, let's talk about it. Um, Then you would have had a good connector between your A plot and your B plot in the sense that the kind of the resounding theme is sometimes you are going to do things wrong and sometimes in in your romantic relationships your perceptions of things are going to get a little skewed or you're going to hang on to your past or you're going to feel jealous. But if you feel that way, you need to be able to talk to your partner about it. Yeah. And that could have been a perfect, good lesson for viewers. It could have been a way to get these A-plots and B-plots to be a little deeper. And it wouldn't necessarily go into, like, huge, deep, complicated themes that Degrassi kind of shies away from, especially with regards toward race. Yeah. Yeah. But Emma... Emma then, like, just walks through the mall hoping to find Chris in the music, like, store... Like, like, he said he liked music, so he must be. I mean, he is there, so I guess, like, you know. Yeah, I know, it's the worst. <laughs> he's, like, at the fucking Sam Goody, like. <laughs> let me try and uh, see if I can narrow it down. He's not at the dot, he's not at school, perhaps. He's not the Barnes and Noble. Yeah, right? Like, he likes reading, so he's not at Walden Books, but, like. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> How many other dead bookstores can we name? <laughs> he's not at Borders, either. Um, Just already mentioned borders. Oh fuck! Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Shows how much I was paying attention. Um, I'm sorry, Jazz. And she's, uh, she's just like, I like that one, track three. And he's just like, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm not okay. I promise. It's like right there. Why wouldn't I play that? <laughs> it's like, it's like I get why a lot of media, when they talk about music, don't like to give specific examples because you do kind of run into either the dorkiness that is Kid Elric or, or you know, it just doesn't age well. You know what I mean? Like, like it's such a gamble when you make a reference. Sure, if you are, like, 
YA media or media in that time period and you made a Beyonce reference like yeah sure that's still gonna hold weight in in this time period and you know she's kind of you know I would argue is a pretty timeless reference at this point but like <laughs> you know it's such a gamble like what are you gonna say like oh I've been listening to like oh, fuck <laughs> like it, it just could age so poorly but at the same time I almost wish that they did because it it almost makes it come off like they're even more wishy-washy about Chris liking music. Like, it just, like, continues... <laughs> it continues this, like, non-committal characteristic of him. It's like, he likes music. <laughs> what, what kind of music? Music, music? Yeah, like, it just kind of do, does that. I guess it's, like, also, like, it doesn't help that she's like, I like track three. <laughs> like, it's like, okay. Yeah, okay, I'm not sure. Sure. Um... Sorry, that does remind me of the episode of Static Shock where he goes to the Batman Beyond future <laughs> and he's just like, Batman says, like, who are you? And he's just like, uh, can't you tell I'm, like, Beyonce or something? And, like, Bat the new Batman's like, says to Bruce Wayne, like, he says his name is Beyonce. I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of nightmare future is Beyonce forgotten in? <laughs> yeah, like, even in our nightmare future, she is not forgotten, so... So, like, how does she not have at least one school named after her? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but, um, so, so, you know, she sees him, and she admits that she was searching. Once again, where? What the fuck? Anyway, Emma says that, you know, she likes his smile and his taste in hats, which, um, stretch, <laughs> but okay. Liar! <laughs> Liar! <laughs> <laughs> She said that, and I literally had to pause and write in my note, don't fucking lie. <laughs> right? Like, you know, don't, there's no need. You can say the other things, and like, you know, um, the other things that she says, I agree with, like, okay, smile, good, taste in music, debatable, but okay, I'll believe it, um, just because I have no actual, like, context to it, um, and then she's like, you know, I ha like to have, like, you know, I, I have, I learn how to have fun again with you, which is a, a pretty sweet sentiment because, you know, it, it's, there's something to be said because her relationship with Sean is so tense, is still so tense and was so tense even when they were together that you can kind of see why Chris is like a different type of romance and why she would really like to pursue it. So it's like very sweet. Um, and, you know, she asks him for another chance um, and she's just like, you know, I, I won't talk about Sean again, except like, I will acknowledge that he, you know, he broke my heart, um, and then invites Chris over for some cake, and they hug, and they kind of have a really cute ending frame shot, which I was a little warmed by. Yeah. I guess my one issue with, like, Emma's kind of half apology, not really, to Chris is just like... <laughs> Where did all of this come from? At what point in time did you two, like, spend enough time together that Emma could pull out these pieces of you that she liked? Because, like, literally, I think, what, you, you literally only see them together for the first episode he really appears in, and then this one, and it's like, at what point in time in between, like, did you two actually manage to sit down and get to know each other? Right. Well, we can assume some time has passed, and... Because Degrassi time is fake. Yeah, and it seems like... Yeah, but at the same time, like, his first kind of opening line to her in this episode is so, like, awkward and forced that it feels like they hadn't really spoken a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... 
Yeah, it's a... It's a weirdly developed relationship that isn't really well developed at all. Yeah, it's just, like, kind of all over the place as a relationship and how it's developed. It's just very, like... I, I can't even fully describe it. It just kind of feels like it's just very stop and start. And, like, I think the bones of it were there, but the writers just were incapable of fleshing it out beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the lack of characterization of Chris. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell how little effort they, or thought, really, they put into Chris's character because his actor doesn't even get his name in the opening credits. Yeah. Despite him being very visible right behind him. Yeah, like, he's in the opening and yet he doesn't get a billing as a principal character. It's just... I understand to a certain extent the Degrassi writers, like, it's it's such, like, a bullshit thing, because I'm not entirely against the idea of kind of being like, you know, we gotta test out a character's chemistry, we gotta test out if they click with an audience, blah, 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 but, like, I feel like you can't take that approach if you don't put your heart and soul into each character. Like, you can't, exactly. like, you can't say a character flopped because you didn't take the time to characterize them. Yeah. Like... You can't say Chris was a failure as a character because he didn't click with the audience if you really didn't give the audience anything to go off of. Exactly. Yep. And that's just that's just that's just it to me. Yeah. So for uh giving us a C minus. Okay. Yeah. Still yeah. not as bad as drive. <laughs> oh, God. Not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, let's get into the thing. I was, like, watching it, and it's, like, it's bad when I come out of an episode. I'm like, huh, that's not as bad as it could have been. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Huh. But, um, yeah. Um, let's move on to character rankings. Who is on the ups? Who is on the outs? Chris. He's on the ups? Yeah, everybody else is... Jay and his gang are going, like... Uh, going down, because they're just awful. They're just irritating in this episode. Like, they're not... Like, Jay... In his introduction episode of Gangsta Gangsta, like, he's a shithead, but, like, he's entertainingly so. Like, this, he's just... The, the problem with Jay is he's, a, for me, a very realistic... Yeah. Like, shithead teen boy, like, yeah. wannabe criminal. No, no, no. I, and I think that's fair, and I, I, I'm just saying that he was more entertaining yeah. when he was really over the top. Here, he just is, like, every cantankerous, mean kid in school he just makes yeah. oh my god <laughs> do you want me to take her yes please 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 unhook her from I'm me try, i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying okay <laughs> she, 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 <laughs> jazz quick hit that um hit that music <laughs> okay i just she jumped on me again but i was less startled by it but um yeah i don't know anyway. barely any characters in this anyway yeah oh wait um yeah, all the popular kids. Oh, Spinner's on the downfall again, but we all knew that. Oh, duh. Jimmy's on the rise, kind of. Ish. Yeah, sounds about right. Everything you're saying sounds about right. Yep. I say as if I ever do character rankings. Um, Dahlia, we have to stop meeting like this. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on to recommendations. Um, so, for my recommendation, um, let's see. Um, I don't really care for a lot of these types of plots, so I, my recommendations are kind of tangential. 
Um, if you want to, um, something that I'm watching, which is not perfect, so do not I do not consider it a paragon of uh, representation, but I think it's fairly well-minded. Um, I'm enjoying the bold type right now, um, which, if you're not familiar with it, it's about 20-somethings um, working for or in connection with a magazine, which is definitely supposed to be Cosmo. Um, it scratches an itch if you're really into, like, the Devil Wears Prada and stuff like that, but with slightly better uh, concepts in general. Um, but what I do appreciate about it is that, um, which makes it kind of related to an issue that we had with this episode, is you start off with some fairly isolated black characters, but there's this plot happening specifically in the second season in which they are beginning to come together and make connections with each other. Um, and it's like really nice to kind of see them realize that they can form a community and how they have experiences that may be similar and different, but like, you know, their blackness is something that is worth connecting over. And I haven't finished up this season. I don't know how far it really goes, but it was really nice to see some of these moments happen, um, especially because it a lot of it has to do with one of the characters really um, learning to be proud of her blackness and learning about how important it is um, in terms of representation. And especially because she's like one of the first directors who is black in the whole entire magazine and her learning how to, uh, you know, become a role model through it and everything. So the bold type, it's pretty fun. It's on Hulu. Um, it's not perfect, but it is a fun time. Cool. Yeah. Jazz. All right. So I actually have, I think, a pretty good uh, recommendation this week. Um, for this episode. So I have been absolutely obsessed, I, I'm sure Donnie can attest to this, with this visual novel that is on Kickstarter called Love Shore. Yes! It is a very LGBT plus friendly um, cyberpunk sort of setting um, that is full of characters of color and trans people and you get, you know, your standard kind of choice of one of two um, main characters that you can choose to follow their storyline. And so there's a demo right now on their Kickstarter. You can follow them on Twitter at, at LoveShoreGame. And the best part about this visual novel is that it's actually like spearheaded by people of color, by trans folks. I know for sure that one of the writers is a trans man of color. Mm -hmm. And so they've been like, you know, you can actually trust these people to handle these characters properly. I literally think there's like one white character in the game out of like a, a roster of 10 or so yeah. um so yeah it it's not even i don't think halfway funded right now they're asking for 50k so that you know the devs can properly compensate everyone um and i would really love to play this game and i know that this is the kind of content that we crave and it just you know needs to be supported and we can put our money where our mouths are so if you got money um go throw them a couple bucks uh i know that the character i think is running for another two um, and then they have the link for their free demo up on their kickstarter so you know you can give it a play just just to make sure that it's something that you want to back before you actually do it exactly and if you are listening to this podcast i highly doubt you're paying to watch degrassi so put that money that you were you would have used to purchase an episode or buy a DVD set and put it toward a Kickstarter like this one. Yeah. 
we need more diverse LGBT friendly content in the world and they are trying to deliver it to us and we need to support projects like that. Yeah, exactly. We like it, it's it's up to us, honestly, as consumers. Like we can we can help see these projects through and help these creators actually be able to be compensated for their hard work. Hold on. Um, I'm going to recommend Bingo Love. Okay. Um, written by T. Franklin, art by Jen uh, Stiange, and colors by Joy San. Oh, the entire yeah, the entire uh, creative team is women. <laughs> um, it's about a uh, it's about a excuse me, these two women who met when they were teenagers. They were uh, they fell in love at a church. Well, they met at a church bingo game. Uh, they fell in love with each other, but they were um, forced apart, and they reunited at the age of like fifty-three at another bingo game. I love how you're rocking Dahlia while you're talking about it. Um, <laughs> it is a very beautiful love story. I was just checking it out. Um, I have some anti-recommendations. I do not recommend Five Feet Apart. <laughs> Why did you even subject King yourself? Talk. Oh my god. Um, my review is up for that on Teen Girl Talk. You want to check that out? But yeah, I do not recommend it. Um, I also recommend Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, Captain Marvel was my initial recommendation. But then I was watching the bold type, so I figured that was better. Yeah. But Captain Marvel... It's fabulous. I enjoy it. I love Go Carol. Watch Carol and her wife and her dog. <laughs> I can't believe MCU gave us such wonderful content, which is that they are married. Yeah. Wow! Can't believe that Captain Marvel's canonically gay, guys. Wow! Wow! Gay rights. <laughs> MCU said gay rights. <laughs> I say as if I am not like constantly critical of MCU. Exactly. You know me and yeah. my feelings on. I, I know all I know very well. Um but <laughs> it's okay because finally after I, I and I was one of these people where I refused to even acknowledge the movie was happening only because I was constantly convinced it was not gonna happen. And I was constantly convinced it was just like they were just gonna pull it last second that I literally like was not excited until I was watching it in the moment. And I was like, Oh, it's for real. It's for real. Because it's like <laughs> Well, it's exciting. Tickets, sits down in theater, shit ain't happening. Yeah, no, but I was like low key, like that was me the whole entire time. Because it's like I don't know. I mean, it's really exciting. Yeah, like it's it's exciting because like now I talk to kids about Carol and they actually know who she is, which is like a big deal because like she, when I read comics, was like (laughs) easily my favorite Marvel character, and now you know she's fully realized. I really could have done with that Kamala Khan um, bonus scene. I, I know. I think if they do it, if they do it, it'd have to be after what the hell is Avengers Four called? Endgame. Stupid. Endgame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever the really. new Avengers BS is, like that's when it would have to be done because then presumably, like that's when she would be relevant, as opposed to like however many years before that. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a what good I was point. expecting. Brie, that's a good point. Brie Larson is just so fantastic in that role. My favorite moment of the entire movie is when she's on the ship and that guy like roars at her. She just goes, "Blah." <laughs> It's so good. Not like 
I I'm very critical of MCU's decisions a lot of the time, but but they they constantly, but um they ret- they retain kind of this this snide playfulness to Carol that I'm just very happy to see. Yeah. Um, Before we just have a Captain Marvel podcast. Uh, Jazz. Maybe we should do a bonus episode of Captain Marvel. <laughs> right? That would be kind of fun. Ooh. We'll be on DVD when we wrap up season three or four. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Just, how is this tangentially related to Degrassi? Because fuck it, we need a break. Yeah, right? Like, I need a rest. Um, uh, well, wait, hang on. And I also want to recommend the Driver's Ed episode of Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, my God. I haven't watched that in so many years. Yo, I like, I've seen compilations, there's a lot more dirty jokes than I remember. That's kind of what I'm afraid, I'm afraid to watch that show, mostly because like, I don't want to think about how I was watching it, and like. I I wouldn't recommend it, I think, I think the creator got outed as like, real bad dude. Oh Oh, shit, really? I think so. Oops. Well, Well, live and learn, live and learn. Um... Anyway, now I can actually say it. Jazz, I am happy to say that you've made it through. Somehow. Yeah, somehow, some way. Hey, with your help, couldn't have done it without y'all. Aw, well, we couldn't have done it without you, to be honest. <laughs> Walking through this weird chest-high thing of porridge. Truly. Um, how can people keep in touch with you? If you would like to see me either about Love Shore or this mobile game that I have gotten obsessed with recently oh, or yes. see all my hot takes about MCU, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jazzaray, J-A-Z-Z-A-R-R-A-Y-E. Um, there I'll also be blasting the anthology that I have coming up, um, which pre-orders, um, actually, will this be airing before or after the end of the month? Uh, probably like. I'm sorry. I'm doing some quick math. Um, I think it will be like the first or second week of April. Yeah. Okay. Well, by the time you hear this, um, pre-orders will have ended, but you could probably still grab eBooks. I think up on Amazon or wherever they'll be published. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Uh, read about my my good good trans witch kids doing some some shady. Magic in a hotel bathroom. <laughs> Hell yeah. And yeah, I, I think that's pretty much the most active place I am. I will also be screaming about cosplay uh, for the next two months as I get ready for my home con. Yeah, it's true. You will. <laughs> uh, I'm really curious about this anthology. It sounds like some of the entries are pretty zany, which is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I've only read my sister's and I'm powerfully intrigued on on because i know the the author not the author the editor um yeah. is is very very choosy about like the content that she likes because you know she's got real good taste so she does. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what which story she's told yeah i'm very 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 curious um but yeah if 
you want to keep in touch with the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can email us at, at ihopod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, concerns, as well as questions about potential guesting opportunities. If you're interested in guesting, just keep in mind we do have a slight queue, so if there's any episodes that you want to go on that are coming up very, very soon, please message us ASAP. If you want to make an investment on an episode, feel free to let us know. We will keep we will definitely keep in touch with you if you want to pick something that's kind of further down the line. Uh, general rule of thumb is I think we're going to be probably keeping it at two, always in the bank. Mm-hmm. So whatever episode premieres that week, assume we've watched two episodes past that. Yes. Um, another thing that I am still kind of fielding interest in, um, I do want to try, because of accessibility and how important accessibility is, I do want to try and see if I can get some transcripts of our episodes started. Um, I'm going to be putting some work into this. If this is a project that you are interested in, please email us as well as some information about your rates and things like that. And we can kind of talk about maybe getting some of these episodes in a way that you can probably digest a little easier doesn't help that we're always talking over each other either um so we definitely want to try and make this show as accessible as possible um and this is another step in doing so also if you would like to send any any um any text or audio about how an episode how characters or how uh degrassi in general impacted your life feel free to send them in the email there's other ways you can keep in touch with us on social media which is includes i hope pod um, on Twitter, as well as our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Uh, we post links, sometimes post some pictures of the cats and things like that, so it might be worth a quick follow. Um, if you'd like to keep in touch with us, uh, well, those are kind of the ways to keep in touch with us. Sorry, I'm all off. Uh, there's other ways you can support us. You can always leave us reviews. Once we hit 20 reviews, we're going to go back into the Degrassi archives and do some extra bonus episodes uh, all about Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Uh, also, you can support us on coffee. Feel free to buy us a coffee. All of our money that we get is going to go toward tech upgrades as well as compensating guests. Uh, so those are just some of the ways that you can support us, keep track of us, and all of that good stuff. Uh, if you want to talk to me individually, you can find me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Um, I have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, it's my sister and I talking about just everything else, like five feet apart and all that jazz. And with that... Um, We hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week, everyone. Later. Later.